like rap music? Yeah, I like that. You like rap music? Well, turn around real slow then. I'm from the Rap Coalition of America. Take that gun off and throw it over there. Throw the gun over there. If you like rap music so much, how come you ain't smiling? I'm smiling. Smile, smile real big. Smile and let's do a rap together. Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. Say, ow. Yo, Hey, what's the music from? The dating game. Yeah. Now let's give Billy a big dating game kiss. Check this out. I get ten dollars for cars. I get twenty dollars for limos. What the hell is this? My truck. Here's fifty dollars. Put it next to the limo. What the hell's going on here? Who the hell are you? Uh, Chief, this is... Shut up, Rosewood! Uh, my name is Johnny Wish... Wishbone. Johnny Wishbone, and I'm a psychic from the island of St. Croix. Yes, I'm a psychic from the island of St. Croix, and I read in the St. Croix Gazette that the Beverly Hills Police Department had some trouble figuring out crimes. So what I did was come to Beverly Hills to help the police out. They tell me they don't want my help, they don't need my help, so I'm gonna go on my merry way. I'm a psychic. I'm a psychic phenomenon. Watch this. I don't know who you are, but watch this. Um, your name is, um... Lutz, right? Chief Lutz, that's your name, see? The name pop inside my head like that. And your name is, um, um... Biddle? Biddle, yes, see? And you give two more seconds, I will say to myself, I don't need no help from no one because I'm Johnny Wishbone, psychic extraordinaire. If you need me, just think Johnny Wishbone and I come running. Lutz and Biddle, it's like kibbles and bits, but different. Excuse me, sorry to bother you. doing in a place like this? What are you talking about? A place like what? place like this. Swimming pool, jacuzzi. What are you talking about? I'm spoiling myself rotten. Oh, you mean the construction is going on? Yes, I'm very embarrassed about that. What I'm trying to do, though, is just confine myself to the other five bedrooms. Music compromising my lifestyle. You stole in this house. How the f*** can you steal a house? My uncle's house. Are you rock and roll? No. Well, look at the big titties. Yo, man, look at the titties. Orange juice, beer. Will you go put your trunks on and get in this pool? I want you out of this pool and out of this house in seven minutes. You're still a damn police officer, for sake. You're gonna get us all in deep shit. Well, I love when you talk dirty. Get your mad ass in this pool with me. Axel, get out of the damn pool! <laughs> I told you to get some You shut your mouth once and for all. No, damn it, you shut up! This is what the alphabet crimes are all about. Guns! Guns? That guy sold them. And then bought him with stolen money from Adriano's at his own racetrack. He was on his way to Central America. And if you'd bother to take your head out of your ass, you'd see we'd stop the whole damn thing. You watch yourself. Just for the Lux. Why didn't I know about this? Because Chief Lux doesn't have the guts to hear the truth from real cops. That's why we had to go undercover with Detective Foley to solve this case. That cuts it, Taggart. You're fired. Yeah? Kiss my ass. Kiss mine. You're fired, too. Lux. Isn't that right? I think I've just about had it with your abusive attitude. I'm sorry, I get carried away. I'm sorry. You are fired. Do you understand that? Don't overreact, Ted, please. You're fired. I want you out of here now. Are they civilians now? You bet. I'm going to kick your ass later. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike McMasunas. How is everybody doing? And I have my co-host with me, Andrew. What's up, buddy? Hey, not much. How are you? 
I'm doing good, man. Doing good. I'm super pumped for tonight's episode, man. We got a lot of good things planned. We got uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2 that we're going to be talking about. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this. We got uh, a new segment that you're going to be introducing. Yep. And then uh, we have a new emailer. So, man, it's it's some good times. Tonight's going to be rocking and rolling. And uh, I, I just can't wait, sir. So uh, what's up with you, man? Uh, not too much. Just got off work, rushed over here. Just between working and all these movies that I'm trying to catch up on, it's been pretty hectic, but in a good way. Yeah, I hear you. I know. I we didn't know if we were gonna be able to record tonight because my wife was kind of sick, taking some antibiotics. But she's a trooper. She's going off to work, so hopefully she won't come home early, and me and Andrew can finish this. You know, our our conversation will be good. So, all right, sir, are you ready to jump in some movie and music news? Definitely. Let's do it. All right. Sir, so this week in movie and music news kind of sucks a little bit, especially for music news. But for movie news, here's what I got. So Immortals, which stars our new Superman, Henry Cavill, is coming to DVD on March 6th. So I haven't seen it in a theater, so I'm pretty pumped up about this. So how about you? Um, Same. It'll probably, it's definitely going to be one I ran. I don't know how soon after it comes out, but I never saw it in the theater. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's probably one of those heavy CGI crazy movies. But I want to I see Henry Cavill before he takes up the mantle of Superman. Yeah, I know. There's some people that say, well, I want to wait until after I see Superman and then watch this. But, you know, I, I'm like you. I want to go ahead and see what it's all about uh, and stuff. So Yeah, I'd like to see his acting style. Yeah, good deal. And then I guess Warner Brothers has extended their Netflix window to 56 days. It includes all theatrical new releases and made-for-video titles. Did you hear about that? Uh, no, I don't really hear too much about Netflix. We still got blockbusters stores like Brick and Mortar down here, so we're my dad stick with that right now. So we're we don't have Netflix just yet, but eventually, if Blockbuster ever goes down, we may switch to it. I hear you, sir. Uh, me being in a small town, um, there's this place that moved in called Family Video. And uh, when Blockbuster came in, well, Blockbuster had been the only video store in town. And they were like, ah, this place is going to be lame. But they were doing new movies for $1.50 
and Blockbuster was wow. still like four or five bucks. Yeah. And uh, originally people thought it was just old movies, but in fact it was new movies. And things happened and Blockbuster went out of business in my town and now Family Video is the only video store we have. And new releases are $1.65 a night. And on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you get old movies free when you get a new movie, which is how I got Beverly Hills Cop. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, Netflix, I haven't done Netflix. My wife was thinking about it last night, but I checked into the streaming, which is what we'd want to do. And a lot of the yep. shows that she wants to check out are not part of the streaming. They're part of the DVD. So we're going to skip the Netflix streaming and DVD and just, just see what else happens. So. Yeah, Netflix still a little. They still have a pretty high rate, and they don't have just about everything yet. They're still missing a lot of stuff, so it's kind of it, you have to really weigh your weigh your options with Netflix. See what you really want. Just some for like yeah, for you, for me, it's not really worth it just yet. Yeah, that's true. Uh, one cool thing is um, the wife and me are hoping to have a double feature on the 21st when Underworld and Haywire come out because yeah. Haywire, I didn't know that Gina Carano is a MMA fighter. So it's flipping yeah. awesome, man. Because I, I looked at her, I was like, she looks like Rachel Wells, which, you know, Rachel Wise, which is right. mummy movies. But it wasn't her. I looked her up and she's actually an MMA fighter. She was actually on this year's American Gladiators. She's the, one of the, the smaller gladiators, but. Man, Haywire looks really good. So, um, and Underworld, my wife loves Underworld series. We've seen all of them in the theater. So, I'm hoping to get a double feature and uh, and then post a review on them on the Facebook page. So, it's gonna be good times. Awesome. That's actually funny. Speaking of Rachel Wise, my dad had her a copy of her license at my house one time because he works for my uncle, who's a lawyer, and she went through him for something of a private issue and. My dad ended up needing a photocopy of her license to go through the documents and everything, and he had it at home one day. That is so awesome, man. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I recognized her. I'm like, isn't she a movie actress? And my dad's just <laughs> like, yeah, that's Rachel Wise. <laughs> that is so wicked. Awesome. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, as far as uh, as far as movies go, that's about it. Nothing really too exciting. Scorpion 3 came out on DVD today, but... Who cares because the guy playing Scorpion King is obviously not The Rock. It's actually, if you watch Charmed, the last season is uh, Coop, which uh, eventually marries Alyssa Milano. That's mm -hmm. actually the guy playing Scorpion King. And then you have Billy Zane and Ron Perlman are in the film. But uh, yeah, so I'm not too – I, I could care less about watching the Scorpion King 2 or 3. Yeah, got nothing on that either for me. Yeah. And then um, in regards to music news, this one kind of sucks too. Uh, I looked around for anything interesting, and the only cool thing is, you know, a lot of people love Journey, but mm -hmm. the, uh, the ex, um, you know, Steve Perry, yep. he said that uh, he's not going to stop recording, but touring is another story. He basically was saying that, you know, he's at 62. Uh, I'm no spring chicken, and touring is a lot of work. I'm impressed when I see people like Eric Clapton. Uh, you know, it's like, gee whiz, Eric, give me a break. It's amazing. I know it's got to hurt somewhere. So, you know, a lot of people love that guy and, uh, you know, he's got a really great voice, but, uh, that was the only thing I found interesting is that he's still going to make music, but as far as touring goes, don't expect him to show up at your local venue anytime soon. So yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they've been around for so long at this point. So, I mean, they've had quite a run, but hey, if they're still doing music, that's something to look forward to. At least they're not going away altogether. Yeah. All right, sir. So let's call it a wrap for movie and music news, and let's get into the news segment, which this is uh, this the is your segment. The, the news segment, which this is going to flow right after movie and music news. 
So um, this segment is uh, is TV news. You have too much TV. That's what my mother tells me. All right, sir. So this is your baby. So why don't you go ahead and uh, and run this puppy here? All right. Well, I wanted to bring into uh, TV news because. It's something that I always stock up on during the week, and then I figure, hey, this is a good medium. I mean, we're already talking about music, we're already talking about movies, so why not just let the wealth of information that I uh, gather up during the week kind of let it out here and let you guys know what's going on. So I just want to do uh, let you guys know that uh, I guess I'll start off going through like just really the um, the channels. I guess NBC uh, starting off with uh, Chuck. You have the show Chuck. That's coming up to its uh, to its end. Uh, you can look forward to the se- the episode 13 is the final episode of that show. Uh, it's probably too late for any newcomers to watch that one because right. it's, so, it's already in its fifth season. But um, that one's coming to a close, so you guys know. Well, that'll do it for uh, NBC probably. So we have uh, Fox. You have uh, The Future of House and Fringe. Both of those TV shows were discussed. Fringe is kind of on the bubble right now. It's not really making too much money. So it could be the final season for anyone who likes Fringe out there. Um, they're planning on wrapping it up this year if they need to. So at least there's that. So it's not going to just end and we'll have nothing to look forward to. It could be wrapped up and there'll be a final solution. Um, House uh, is could be its last season too, but this one's more of a uh, predetermined ending because... I think Hugh Laurie lives in Britain, and he's kind of been missing home, and he wants to kind of wrap up the show soon, because, I, what are they on season eight now? It's a long time. Yeah, been a while. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a year older than Supernatural. Supernatural and Bones are both season seven, so even those have been on for a long time. Yep. But, um, so you have that, and then uh, moving over to the CW, uh, I definitely know Masunas knows uh, this, uh, Supernatural is back in action I haven't caught the last episode yet but I'll get there and uh, the Vampire Diaries just returned so it's pretty much mid-season premiere time for all the TV shows coming back and then there was uh, the last item on the list was a Beverly Hills Cop show I don't know yeah. if you've heard about that, that or not that's dead that's not is it? yep okay the last thing I heard was that uh he was thinking about doing it, so I wasn't sure. I was looking for conversing, yep. uh, diversing stories about it, but all I saw was that it was still in the works. Yeah, we'll we'll get more into it when we talk next week because the third uh, one. Yeah, yeah, because the third one is definitely a disappointment in the in the franchise, and okay. then we'll talk about the thought process between uh, Beverly Hills Cop Four, and then why that failed, and then why they were going to do a TV show. In fact, this was supposed to be a TV show. And Eddie Murphy said, no way to that, I'll do a sequel, and that's how we got Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah, the like, show sounded interesting. Yeah. From what, I, from what I heard, I was actually kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, but uh, I just read last week, it's pretty much Dead dead, dead Ringer, so... Okay, cool. But, uh, and don't forget, you know, all you people that watch ABC Family, um, if you did like uh, The Nine Lives of Chloe King, that was canceled, which sucks, but uh, it was a pretty, it was pretty good... Uh, you know, I, I like the show kind of rem- reminiscent of Buffy a little bit. Uh, pretty Little Liars, which Andrew actually watches that along with me, is pretty cool. Um, yep. You know, I definitely say that show, that Revenge, are amazing when it comes to ending. It always keeps you uh, wanting more for the next episode, which is awesome. That just came back from the mid-season finale. Or yeah, the, revenge, is, yeah. revenge is definitely interesting. It's like, it's so soapy, 
but then at the same time they do it just fe- it doesn't feel like a soap so that's good yeah like it doesn't have this like overdone like too much uh too much drama like there's tons of drama and stuff but it kind of it's it's refreshing the way they do it so i love um, revenge man yeah oh. that's that show's been on fire the pretty much the whole season i don't, I don't know of an episode that i really disliked no, I, there's not one single episode I've disliked. Everyone's been awesome. Ringer uh, with Sarah Michelle Geller was starting slow. It took four episodes in. Yeah, it's heating up. And that show, yeah, heated up, which uh, uh, Michael Knight from Knight Rider 2008 has made a few appearances in there, which has been pretty awesome. Um, CSI Miami, uh, the last episode was pretty crazy with the smart bullet. It was kind of like a Steve Jobs type of episode, and they created this smart bullet where they could fire anywhere and it would program to kill the person. It was pretty pretty crazy and oh, it was so good. I love you know CSI Miami is definitely hokey with with David Caruso and sunglasses, but I mm-hmm. love the show. Uh, it's always a good time, always interesting, and that that last episode was pretty awesome. And uh, they had a uh, they had a kind of spinoff idea that like similar idea to that on Chuck. I think it might have been last year where they had a bullet that would. Uh, you would shoot it, and it would wrap around corners, and it was targeted at someone. Yep. Um, is CSI on CBS? Yep, CBS. I think it was CSI then. There was a crossover between one of the characters, this female character in CSI, one of them, and uh, Hawaii Five-0. She popped up on an earlier episode of the, se- of, uh, the current season. Nice. And don't forget Elizabeth Shue. Uh, you know, my, my lovely girlfriend from Karate Kid is going to be making... Uh, going to be on csi regular las vegas which i don't like that one but yeah. she, she's going to be on there with ted danza so yeah you know it is what it is so yep crossovers there's so many of those it's hard to keep track of them but ncis uh, cis yeah very true do you have any uh any other ones sir no i think i'll hold off till next week i think uh i think that about does it for tv news yeah and you know this segment will definitely you know and i have to admit i watch way more tv than i do movies and uh, me and you, we definitely watch di- we watch a lot of shows similar. We watch the same shows, and then we watch shows that are way off. Yeah. From, from our lives. Oh, yeah. So it, we're definitely going to be able to cover a whole. And in fact, this segment may actually be longer than movie and music news. Yeah, I wasn't exactly got- sure how long he wants to keep this segment, but I mean, if the people in the nation want want us to talk about TV, I mean, I can put more on the list. I kind of just off the top of my head this week for the premiere just wanted to kind of roll with whatever was out there so yep. I'll def- we can structure it more and we'll figure it out as time goes but that's what this podcast is about introducing new things and just kind of going with it yep exactly yeah right in because uh, we got response about your sign off so people are listening cool. so you know if you guys dig the TV news uh, section you want to hear more let us know on, or if you hate the TV news section let us know <laughs> yes yeah, definitely we but, don't want to uh, keep torturing you guys exactly Right, I mean, but it makes sense. Why not cover movies, music, TV? Why not cover the whole thing? So, yep. good deal. All right, sir. Well, we'll call it a wrap for TV uh, news, and uh, let's get into our review of Beverly Hills Cop Two. Oh, you eat the floor now! Yeah. Axel Foley is back. Who is he? I'd say he's a cop. <laughs> this is a Detroit band. What the hell are you doing in Beverly Hills? I'm going deep, 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 deep undercover. Back where he doesn't belong. Excuse me, we're the owners of this house. They're in Hawaii for a week while the construction happened. I'm Axel Foley, Beverly Hills Billions back there. You've stolen this house. 
How do you steal a house? My uncle's house. Reunited with all his old buddies. What the hell's going on here? Who the hell are you? I'm Johnny Wishbone, psychic extraordinaire. If you need me, just think Johnny Wishbone and I come running. Lots and biddles. It's like kibbles and bits, but different. Oh, this is a big mistake, a big mistake. Would you lighten up and take some risks? This is definitely breaking the law. So how long would it take to shave those legs anyway? I suppose you're trying to be charming. Actually, I'm just offering my grooming services. Get out of here, you degenerate! I want you out of here! Is this a black thing? Hey! Say your alarm, you're gonna break it! I need authorization. Authorized! Are we having a problem here? You have to! Aquafoli! And this is Max. And Max kills cops for a living! Shake that! 
everybody walks into the crowded line. Break down, take, take down, down, shake down. You bust it, bust it, bust it. Shake down, break, break down, take down. Right, just about the time you think that it's alright. All right, sir. So this movie you've never seen, um, which I cannot wait to hear your thoughts. But let me just say this. This is the movie that made me want to be a cop. And this is the movie that made me love cop movies for the rest of my life was this movie here, man. (laughs) Uh, Flippin' Love. It came out in 1987, um, and it's directed by Tony Scott. Now, this is the epitome of how you should make a sequel. This takes everything from the original, times it by 10, makes everything better, and kicks ass the whole entire film. So, uh, oh, good times, man, good times. Yeah, it definitely does. I agree with that statement. The one thing I'll probably end up reiterizing later is that it's uh, the story, the plot of it's much bigger than the previous film. Yes, definitely. Okay, so let's start off with, uh, before I get into the the little plot summary, the movie starts off with, uh, which... You guys have just heard the uh, awesome Oscar and Golden Globe original song, Shakedown. Uh, when you heard this song, sir, were you not pumped up and wanted to be a cop after you got done hearing this song? Yeah, it definitely got that feeling in me, too. It's yeah. Just, it ramps you up, and it's like, you know what's coming. That's what gets you the most. You know what's coming down the pipe. Yeah. Oh, so good. Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, Murphy, uh, Eddie Murphy's back, returns as Axel Foley, returns to Beverly Hills. And uh, we got Billy Rosewood, played by Judge Reinhold, back. We got John Tagger back, played by John Ashton. And uh, Captain Andrew Bogomel, who gets shot. So, Andrew, you get shot, sir. How's it feel to get shot? Feels good, huh? Yeah, it feels excellent. <laughs> At least I didn't die. I can I can safely say it was not fatal. Right, yeah. And Ronnie Cox is uh, comes back as Andrew Bogomel, and he is shot and seriously wounded. So he's the basically the premise of this uh, of this film. So um, now the movie did make a little less money than the original Beverly Hills Cop. It received mixed reviews from critics, but uh, it made $153 million domestically, which, you know, back then is pretty flipping good. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It definitely hauled in money. I mean, it wasn't a failure by any, by any means. Nope, not at all. Okay, so uh, let's get into the, uh, the plot summary here. Okay, so basically, uh, this movie set two years after the original film. So Captain, formerly Lieutenant Andrew Bogomil, played by Ronnie Cox, uh, Detective Billy Rosewood and Sergeant John Taggart are trying to figure out who is behind the alphabet crimes. It's a series of mostly high-end store robberies distinguished by their uh, by these envelopes that have alphabetical sequences uh, that are left behind. So complicating matters is this new political state of the Beverly Hills police. It's headed by this verbally abusive douchebag of all douchebags, Chief Harold Lutz. And before I go on, sir, is this guy not the king of douchebags? Oh, man, he really like he just 
antithesis of like whatever the three main guys are like in Axel Foley. Like he just he's annoying. Oh, like, pisses you off, doesn't it? Yeah, like he's he's the complete opposite of Foley. Like he has a mouth, but you don't want to listen to him. You just want to shut him up. Yeah. Um, so he's doing everything that he can to stay on uh, Mayor Ted, uh, the mayor. His name is Ted. He's trying to do everything he can to be on his good side, uh, which when the mayor comes in office, he tries not to be so abusive as he was just a couple seconds before the mayor walks in the room. So unimpressed, when Rosewood calls the FBI to help solve the case, Lutz actually holds Bogomil responsible as the commanding officer suspends him. And despite Andrew's efforts to convince him that Rosewood was only following a hunch, it's a traditional aspect of police work, Lutz gets punished, uh, Taggart and Rosewood are actually placed on traffic duty, and that's essentially what starts off the rest of the plot. It does. The beginning of the movie does start off with a really cool bank um, – well, not a bank heist. It's a, it's a jewelry, jewelry store. Yeah, jewelry yeah. store, which is headed by um, a Carla Fry, played by Bridget Nelson, and at the time was Bridget Nelson Stallone. And oh. uh, yeah, she was married to Sylvester Stallone back then, so – what made and, her change her mind? <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, now, she is the chief henchwoman of this guy named Maxwell Dent. And uh, now, Maxwell Dent, he's not as great of um, as the original bad guy. But he has enough henchmen to where he's mysterious enough to where he's a he's pretty awesome bad guy in the same, se- in the same sentence, basically. He's yeah. not as awesome as Victor was. But at the same time, he's not any less of a villain, if that makes any sense. Right? Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. He's You you could prefer the first guy better, but this guy this guy brings the same amount of, like, bad guy to the table as the as Victor did in the first movie. Yep. So, um, finding out about the, uh, the shooting of Andrew on a news report, Foley immediately flies out to Beverly Hills. And uh, he covers his absence from his actual job in Detroit by telling Inspector Todd, played even better than the first movie, that he's going deep, 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 deep undercover on a credit card fraud case that he's been assigned to. Uh, But he's only given three days because at this point, uh, he has used money upon money, Ferrari suit. And my favorite line from him is – I keep getting these blue slips. When am I going to get some arrest slips? And uh, <laughs> we'll get into the details of that in a minute. But essentially, his boss tells him he's got three days to come up with something or he is not going to cover for him anymore. And essentially, he's going to lose his job just like he did before. But yeah. it's going to be Axel's fault why he loses it. Not You know what I'm saying. So I like the timeline that they give it. They they did it in the last movie too. He only had like what do you have like a week, I think, of vacation time yep, that he was able yep. to. So in this one, he has three days. I I don't care for timelines in all movies. Definitely would get annoying after a little while. But in a movie like this, where they've done it before and then they shorten the time, it kind of brings this more of an urgency to get the job done, and that kind of fits Axel's character. Yeah, it it it, it definitely raises the stakes, which is what a sequel is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie, we'll, we'll get into all the details in a minute here of why this sequel works. But to repay the favor, uh, he owes he owes Bogomil for saving his job. Um, Taggart and Rosewood agreed to assist Foley because Lutz wants to, you know, get them fired. He wants to find an excuse to get them fired. So the whole deal is the three of them work together, but they got to do it on the down low so they don't get busted, basically. 
So posing as an undercover FBI agent to get past Lutz, and the only way to do that is Jeffrey, the annoying Jeffrey from the first one, played by Paul Razor, uh, Riser from Mad About You with Helen Hunt. He gets a bigger role in this one. Essentially, he has to pose as as uh, the, you know as Todd, basically right. Inspector Todd. And, uh, and the only way to do that is he has to intercept the phone call to Todd's office to convince Lutz that Foley is part of this multi-judicial task force. It's a real funny scene that we'll get into in just a minute, but that's essentially how he fakes out Lutz to make him think he's an FBI agent so Taggart and, and Rosewood don't get in trouble as much. So Foley soon starts making the connections between the robberies and Dent. Foley has Bogomil's daughter, uh, Jan, use her connections as an insurance agent to find out about Dent's financial dealings. So essentially what Dent is doing, he's robbing his own businesses on purpose in order to finance uh, this firearms deal and discreetly uses his henchman, Charles Kane, played by Dean Stockwell, as the front man of the operations. Essentially, he's going to get away with the money and kill Kane and pin it all on him so the cops don't know anything about Dent and he gets away scot-free. But you're dealing with the three musketeers here. They're going to figure everything out. So Yeah, of course. Right. I mean, course. you've got Rosewood. Everything's good. Exactly. And uh, I, I can't wait to talk. get your thoughts on Billy's uh, transition in this <laughs> film. Uh, but Bogomil was shot because his investigation earlier, he was basically on the correct track to ca- cracking the case that eventually these three are going to crack by the end of the film. So um, having foiled a robbery attempt at a bank deposit, Foyle is able to trick Dent's accountant, which is played actually really good by Gilbert Gottfried because this guy is usually always annoying, but he does a really good job. So can't wait to hear what you say about this guy. Yep. Uh, into using his computer and discovers that Dent and Carla are planning to leave the country. And uh, Foley also learns from Jan that all of Dent's businesses have had their insurance coverage canceled or lapsed, however you want to look at it, and are about to go bankrupt except for one thing that he has left, which is his racetrack. So he's convinced that the next target is going to be the racetrack. So on the way to racetrack, Foley solves the latest riddle sent to the police because um, Dent is able to make these alphabet crimes crack. He none of them can be cracked except for one, and it's the one that he wanted the cops to figure out, of course. So um, basically, what happens is is that uh, Bowley solves the latest riddle sent to the police, convinced that the riddle was made easy solvable in order to implicate Kane as the alphabet bandit. Um, after meeting with him earlier, he knows Kane is basically a pansy, can never pull it off, and it's just to throw the authorities off of Dent's trail. So the three, uh, the three of them arrive too late to stop the robbery and find Kane's body, who was shot by Carla, among the dead. So Lutz announces publicly, alphabet crimes are solved. You know, I did it all myself, basically. And Foley notices that there's some red uh, mud after the press conference. And he notices it's the same kind of mud that was on Andrew's sneakers he found earlier in the house. So it leads them to Dent's oil field where Dent is making his final arms deal before he gets out of the country. So the three of them get into this awesome shootout, everybody involved in the deal. So Dent confronts Foley in the warehouse. Foley gets distracted by one of Dent's henchmen on the roof above him. Dent gets away. Dent actually crashes through a wall with his car, fully shoots Dent in the head, sends his car down a hill, erupts in flames like ever 
so lovely cars and sequels they just miraculously blow up yeah carla appears about to kill foley but she gets shot by taggart with the ever so awesome line of women so just as the the last thugs are about to flee police arrive up on the scene so do lutz and finally the mayor so Lutt tries to fire Rosewood and Taggart in, in their insubordination. We get an awesome ending where Billy stands up to Lutz and uh, tells him if he would have just got his head out of his ass, he would have seen that we solved the case. And oh, it's just we'll talk about it in a minute. But it's it's so awesome. And Lutz goes off. The mayor fires him for being the jerk off that he is. And at the end of the film, Bogomil is actually chosen by the mayor to replace Lutz as the new chief of police. Foley gets to return to Detroit uh, before he gets chewed out, of course, by Inspector Todd over right. the phone. And uh, and then we get our awesome ending with the house scene that we'll talk about in a minute here, sir. So it's a pretty big plot. A lot of crap happens. So uh, let's start from the beginning, sir. Okay. Yep. So uh, right away, we get uh, we get Bridget Nelson gets out of the limo. And you notice how tall this girl is, huh? Yeah, she is very tall. Pretty she, tall. Yeah, she's pretty intimidating. <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit. So the one thing I like that they do is this time thing. They have everything down the time. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what it's really about, but they essentially only take from the from the jewelry place, they take like the best stuff and then shoot up the rest of it. Right. And they only have like two minutes to do it. Pretty cool. So it starts the movie off with the bang, and then we get the awesome shakedown song, and we see Eddie Murphy get ready. And uh, one thing I like is uh, he, uh, when he's getting ready, he does an eyebrow like The Rock does when he's looking at the mirror. You notice that? <laughs> he breaks the, the fourth wall a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But I mean, The Rock wasn't back then. But he just looks at the mirror, it kind of kisses himself, puts his eyebrow up, and then he laughs at himself. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it was good, yeah. good stuff. Kind of just like it's a good intro for him because it fits. He's he's like as impressed and excited to see himself as the <laughs> as the audience is. Exactly. Um, so the picture that they show um, of a fishing trip, which right. is when um, when Andrew's calling him to tell him that hey, I got to cancel the fishing trip. Who's on the picture? Because I kind of had a hard time making that out. Um, I was actually I I was just on there with the show with the movie so I was just trying to get a freeze frame on it. Uh, I think it's I think it's Andrew and Axel. Cause it's right after the running in the desert by the oil rigs. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to zoom in, but. Yeah. Do you have any idea about it? I. It's, I it's those are the only two I. On it. Yeah, those are the only two I could really make out. But, you know, it's really no big deal. They show it twice. The, they, the pictures and Axel has it and Andrew has it. So you just kind of assume both of them took it together. Yeah. Um, so when we get introduced, not introduced, but when we first see Billy and Tagger back together, I love it when Billy tells Tagger, trust me. Um, what do you think about the development of Billy in this movie? I like it because at the beginning he's kind of more – it's still a little subtle. Like, you could tell he's changed from the last movie, but he's still not, like... He has that, like, that quiet confidence about him, which I like. Because he definitely gets... It's not too Axel within him, but it kind of definitely shows that he has this influence about him, and he's not willing to... He won't take anything. Right. I mean, he's definitely... I mean, Taggart and Billy have definitely gotten closer since the first time. Yeah. Um, And... 
Billy definitely is uh, – he's definitely more confident in himself. And he – you can tell Axel is really rubbed off on him just by his simple, you know, smile and trust me. It's kind of let you know that Axel has made a huge influence in his life. And, uh, and you can tell that later on in the film when he's got a crap load of guns in his house. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, puts on the the coat later on with the guns and yeah it's it's some good times. All right, so Chief Lutz, uh, I mean the guy who plays Chief Lutz did a really great job. I mean this guy definitely, you definitely wanted to hate this guy, no doubt about it. Oh yeah, uh, Alan Garfield. Yeah. I'm trying to see if he's been in anything that I've seen prior to this, but I don't really recognize him from anything else. Yeah. But yeah, he definitely, he's loud. He he picks fights with just everyone in the movie. Yeah. Uh, starting off with Bogomil when him and Taggart and, and Rosewood are in the office or in his office and Rosewood actually tries to speak up to him that at that point and he kind of shoots him down. Exactly. I mean, you know, the stakes have been raised because really the old guy from the first film wasn't that intimidating. And this guy right off the bat, I mean, he's almost more intimidating than inspector Todd is really. Yeah. Um, and immediately, you know, the stakes have been raised that this is a guy you can't jack around in that one out. And when Axel shows up that they're going to be in some serious problems with this guy. And I, I, I do like that, how they have established that this is King douche and the, the stakes have been raised and, uh, how, how are you going to, how are they going to go around this? Really good stuff. Yeah. I like it. Cause they, they, they introduce a, he's an anti-hero. Like he's not a bad guy. But he's working for himself, and he wants to advance himself, so he's not really – he's not a good guy either. Right, exactly. Um, okay, so when Andrew gets shot, were you kind of uh, shocked by that since you know this is your first time seeing it? So when that happened, what were, were you thinking he was dead or what? I never th- – yeah, I, I thought he was um, an important character to shoot. Like he definitely had influence over – obviously everything starts occurring because of his shooting. Right. So I did – I appreciated in that it was a little bit like he's one of those characters where once he got shot, I had that initial reaction. I was like, really? They just shot Bogomil? But then afterwards, it kind of settled in. You were like, huh, you know what? I I could see where that would take place and they could get away with it without too much reaction. Exactly. Yeah, so, got to like, raise the stakes. He, It's pretty brutal, too. Like he gets shot in the middle of the street twice. <laughs> like yep. He gets shot once in a moving car and then the girl pretending to have her car uh, stuck on the side of the road. She shoots him point blank also. Yep, yep. Two shots in the chest, and uh, the only thing that probably saved him is the fact that because it wasn't open, you know, right. pu- public, the cops, and the, you know, the ambulance was able to show up, which they don't show. Mm-hmm. So we're introduced to Jen, and obviously Jen was not in the first one, but you can totally tell based on this character that Axel has hung out with all the guys a lot of times and has had a great relationship with his daughter, yep. and they're very close. And again, no female love interest in the film, which is pretty awesome. But Jen does; she's not on the screen very much, but she does a great job. Uh, doesn't phone it in. Excellent character, and she helps establish the timeline between both movies of how close Axel has gotten to all three characters which is pretty cool when you have a character that can show you how close all of them have gotten just by her performance yeah i was gonna say the same thing she's that kind of gap between the two movies which 
definitely is needed. Like, I don't want to see a blow-by-blow of what's been going on the last few years, but it's good to show that there's a character that we didn't see in the previous one, but we see in this one, and she's tied into our previous characters. Yep. Okay, so Inspector Todd, hilarious as always. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking about, you know, the blue slips, and he's like, when am I going to see some arrest slips? So what were your reaction when you saw Inspector Todd again for the first time in the film? I like seeing him. He's... Like we said in the first movie, he's able to stand up to Axel because he's basically like – he knows how Axel works, so he can just kind of put up with his BS. Yep. And he's able to shoot him down. He knows exactly what to say that will shut Axel up. And like just like the previous movie, it's cool to me that when you told me that he was actually a real cop and he never had any prior experience in acting, like he's still, he's still really good. And this one, I really enjoyed watching him. I wish he was in it a little bit more too. Yeah, so do I. I do have to admit, um, it seems that the there's swearing in the film, but it seems like at least the f bomb has been toned down, which you would think in a sequel you'd get even more yeah. of that. But it definitely seems that everything has been raised except the swearing seems to have toned down. Uh, there's probably more other swear words used besides the f bomb because that was the biggest word that was used by Axel in in the last film. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, that's the one thing I noticed is that that, that was kind of toned down because even Inspector Todd, he always used that like every other word and he only used it just a couple times in the film. Yeah, um, I, was, I actually read a, uh, a quote from him when he did an interview about the character of Inspector Todd and he said that him and Todd are pretty much the same guy, just that Todd swears a little bit more. <laughs> so it, it definitely, it fits his character but I'm glad, yeah, they toned, I'm glad that they toned it down from the really... Uh, the crazy swear words because it kind of you could do it but it over i think it, you need more of an emphasis on it when you do it a little less yeah all right let's talk about the house scene how did you like this scene sir i enjoyed it i'm uh it's it's just so funny like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i loved it man it's so good just the the way he just you know he's going down you know um he's going down boulevard and they play that awesome song it's got to be and um, and it's just, you're kind of getting the same vibe as part one. And he looks mm-hmm. at a house, turns around and does his little, uh, he does his little scam and it's so good and so funny and gets in. And then of course, um, man, so good. So good. I love that. Yeah. I love the, the theme song that they use, right? It's the theme from them from the first one. Yeah. The dun, 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 dun. Yeah. I, yeah. I just love that. Cause yeah, like you said, it gives you that feel. It's that's, just it's the Beverly Hills movie uh, movie feel yeah. to it. That song is supposed to be used based on what I heard in part one. That song is supposed to be used every time Axel is going to be doing something pretty crazy. Yeah, that, it, the story is going to be moving along pretty awesome. That's when they throw that song in. It's good because it's like he's you know he's back in Beverly Hills because he's been in Detroit. So I like the song is kind of like that transition. Yep, yep, definitely. Okay, Johnny Wishbone. I laugh hysterically every time I see it, and I love the Johnny Wishbone part. But the coolest thing is I love Coming to America, one of my all-time favorite Eddie Murphy films. And his Akeem voice, you can hear in Johnny Wishbone, man. So what do you think of Johnny Wishbone's scene? He's funny. It just suits his – like like we were saying before, he goes deep, deep, deep undercover. Like he just <laughs> hones in these like certain personalities of his – 
and like it's something that you could see uh, like someone like a detective doing but he does it so but it goes so far that like it's kind of unbelievable in that like believable in that unbelievable funny way right if you know what i mean right so i i really appreciate like the it's just funny like you could tell all these different things influenced each other like all of his different acting gigs yep. like you said you can hear akeem in this charlie wishbone character and the name's just so fun like how's he come up with this stuff <laughs> did you say charlie wishbone yeah what i say? you oh, said well, charlie wishbone it's johnny Sorry. wishbone johnny <laughs> <laughs> well here's the thing okay this movie um was definitely not ad-lib like before there wasn't right it was more scripted Uh, it was definitely scripted but eddie murphy did say two things one that axel foley is a lot like him and Mm -hmm. two he hates guns and in fact if you watch every time he shoots the gun he always moves his face because he hates the way um the gun uh he hates reacting to the gun so he can never keep his face straight when he shoots the gun that's one thing he says he just hates guns and anytime he shoots he kind of moves his head away a little bit so eddie murphy said this about himself or about the character of axel he said that two things that eddie that axel foley he's very much like him and two that he hates guns and that one filming number one and two um that if you notice he always moves his face when he shoots the gun because he hates he hates using a gun he doesn't mm-hmm. like the way it reacts and he gets scared of it and always moves his face so yeah which i noticed after he said that so yeah it's interesting yep okay so taggart is divorced in this film poor um, yeah poor tech uh really cool but the one thing i love is when you know, Axel's trying to convince them to work together. I love when he's like, "Don't give me this crap about loyalty." Me and Aunt, you know, me and Andrew, we started the force together. Um, immediately, these three are the three musketeers again, man. Good stuff. Um, which, of course, starts with the whole vitamin stuff. Um, what do you think of the vitamin scene? It's just really fun. Like, ugh, I'm like blanking right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, I'm vi- sorry the vitamin scene. Uh, well, starts off where he's like, "Hey, what's that? Those are my vitamins." He goes, "Give me the bag." The whole bag? Yeah, give me the whole bag. He goes, "I'll be out in an hour." And then Billy says, "Enjoy good health." And uh, this starts where he walks in uh, to basically say, "Hey, it's a bomb." I remember, get- is this when the um, what was the fir- that's the first scene where they meet up again? Because I remember, I keep pulling up the um, the scene with the pool, like when the three of them are at the, the, by the, the pool, pool side. Happened, the pool happens after this. That's after that. Okay. Yeah. After the, I love. I'm. T- yeah, I love the pool scene. The pool scene is hysterical when he slides in. Yeah, hysterical. But yeah, the pool scene happens after the vitamins because okay, afterwards. Okay, so the vitamin scene's the first one. Yeah, he gives them the money and says, "Hey, meet me in my house tonight." He goes, "What'd you do with it? You sell them?" And and then he gives them the twenty bucks. Oh, here, go buy some more. Which is, I always, you kind of people are like, well, why didn't he just keep the bag? But why would you want to carry around a bag? Which is why he threw him away. So um, here's the kind of thing I want to talk about with Axel. Um, essentially, when we get to the middle of the film, Axel kind of breaks the law a lot. Um, my, <laughs> which you definitely raise the stakes with your character in a sequel, but you see a different side of Axel and he definitely, I believe walks a fine line between, is he still likable? And here's my thing with Axel. He always writes his wrongs. Anytime he starts something wrong, like for example, you know, the whole, I got 20 bucks and then granted he did give it back to the lady, but he used the money to give back the vitamins later on. He steals the money from a dense accountant. And then he later donates the money to 
at the end, you know, in my name, put it as, you know, um, Gilbert Gottfried's character. I'm losing my mind here for a second. But uh, how do you feel about how Axel's criminal background and, and it them pushing the, the boundaries of right and wrong in this film, how do you feel about it? Well, I think it's I think it works because he's never been the most he's never been the most angelic uh, cop or detective, what have you. Right. So I think it definitely works. Like he's not doing anything, cr- like insanely terrible where it can't be rectified in the future. He does things like you said. He he eventually gets it. He returns what he does, or he like he does something else that kind of puts that into the shadows and it's not really not really as highlighted. So yeah, I. I th- I think, like you said, he, it's something that kind of fits his character, and it's a fine line, but I still, in the end, he's still Axel Foley, so you still enjoy yep. his character. It doesn't really take away from anything. Yep, I agree. I mean, Gilbert Gottfried's character is Sidney Bernstein, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that Taggart and Rosewood have officially, uh, when they put the glasses on, he's like, uh, yeah. $200 in this hand. When they put the glasses on, the facial expressions from those two help build the scene so much in all of the scenes that they're in. So flipping good. So flipping good. So, okay. So let's talk about when Axel says, let's come to my house in the pool scene. I flipping love it when he's like, you stole in this house. How the F do you steal a house? And, <laughs> oh, so good, man. Good scene. Like, like we said before, like he does things, but then he has like these moments where Taggart and Rose would walk into this house and you see Axel la- like lounging on one of those pool beds like with the files and he's just reading like it's just classic like Eddie Murphy classic 80s acting it's good it's just funny to watch and then you eventually like we, we were saying before we have uh you have Taggart who falls in the pool which kind of it would be Taggart who falls in not Rosewood and then Rosewood just cracks up laughing yep exactly it was so good. And I'm kind of skipping a little bit ahead here because prior to that is where Axel is in the gun club. And that's when he starts to, you know, he meets Kane and mm-hmm. he, and he first sees her and he says, man, that's a big B. And, uh, you know, and I like it when he, when everybody's shooting at the screen, it's obviously mm-hmm. blanks and he uses the real, the real bullets. And he starts to laugh. And everybody's like, I can't believe you did that. But when you first see Dean Stockwell, which Dean Stockwell is from Quantum Leap. I'm sure yeah. you, you know that, right? Yep. Okay. I love so, that show. I have it on DVD. Yep. Good times. Um, yeah, it was good seeing him in the film. It's funny. I had just reviewed this week's Knight Rider. Um, and his name was in the credits, but he wasn't in the episode. And I, I kind of joked about that. Huh. On my Night Rider episode, but uh, he's not in the film very long. But you know, he definitely is pretty entertaining. Um, he's probably the least entertaining of all the bad guys, but yeah. he's not dry either. Um, I like when Axel says, "And how long does it take to shave them legs?" And that that whole line was so good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that. Uh, so yeah, after the you know, you get the that, whole pool scene. I just oh, love how scene. Yep. Yeah, the, like right after the pool scene, we have uh, Taggart has to switch clothes. That was one of my favorite parts in the movie because it was like it was just so like he's come so far from the first movie. Exactly. Where he changes and he looks like this preppy golfer type guy when he has like the plaid pants and and he's proud of himself the way he looks too. Yeah, he, yeah, his face when he comes down the stairs just like he's like I look good and like, <laughs> the old Taggart never would have like he would have like cringed at the sight of a cop doing something like this so exactly 
Okay, so we always get a strip scene, it seems, in these movies. Yeah, this is definitely reminiscent of the first movie, too. Yeah, and they go a little bit more nudity than they did in the first one in this, just because it's a sequel, you gotta vamp it up a little bit. But they don't go too outrageous with it. Um, it's just the same girl. Um, really good comedy with the General Ford bit. Uh, pretty funny stuff. Um, and this is the introduction of George Michael's I Want Your Sex song, which was mm -hmm. huge. Um, but the strip scene, you know, it, it's probably not my favorite part of the film, but it's definitely funny because you're right. It's reminiscent of the first one, the General Ford. It, it, it keeps the story moving along because they do find information out at the strip club who the real gun dealer really is. So. Yeah, well, right after the strip scene, we get the shootout again. They, they drive-bys are the theme of this movie. Yeah, exactly, drive-bys. And even Axel's like, what the F is going on here with the drive-bys? Mm -hmm. um, one thing we mentioned in the first movie that the shooting uh, sound effects sound are very realistic. Yes. This one, they're definitely Hollywood sounding. But you know what? I'm going with it because of the fact of I know that this is bigger, better. And the formula is working for me. From the moment the, the clock starts – to where I'm at, I'm at this point. I'm like, man, the action's good. I can I can deal with the Hollywood quote unquote gunshot sounds. So I'm loving it, man. How about yeah, you at this point? Yeah, I mean, the first movie you have, like we said, they were pretty believable, and you don't really know the characters, and the story's still developing. In this one, the gunshots are the gunshots are a little more Hollywood, like you said. But you're invested in the story and the characters, so you kind of don't really notice it as you watch it the first time because you just kind of go with what's going on because it's all new and fresh. Right, right. Exactly. Um, so um, after the shootout, um, they have Mr. Lutz show up. And yep. uh, I love it when Taggart said, well, technically this is traffic duty. Yeah. Technically <laughs> you're a moron. But I, I like that because he's this is his, probably his first time really standing up to Lutz just by being a smartass basically. Yeah, he's so pa he's he's passive and he's like he's always so like in the first movie he was so sturdy and he was so stern and he did what he needed to do and that was it. And this one, you could tell he's still the same, but he's kind of like a little more low key. He doesn't really talk up uh, talk up as much like Rosewood. Definitely, he's changed more than Taggart. Yeah, I think, but. Taggart has like a little slower development, and it's fine. And it it goes I, by the end of this movie. Taggart's definitely a lot more, a lot different. In oh, the middle, yeah. he's still he's in the act of developing. Like he he changes, but it takes time for Taggart. Right. I mean, by the end of the first one, he was chilled out. But yeah. by the end of this film, he's so chilled out he could essentially be Billy of the you know Billy of the right. beginning of this film almost. Because Billy, go ahead. Tell there's, um, I was just gonna say you could tell there's been two years between. The first uh, the two movies because he gets like he changes by the end of the first one and then he kind of relapses back to his older ways in this one. I mean, he's, there's also age to play into it because you have Rosewood who's younger, so he's a little more he's easier to shape into who you want. So Eddie Murphy's uh, Axel is able to kind of influence him a lot more. Taggart's already an older guy, so he has his like priorities are established and his moralities and his his character. So yep. Definitely. So we get to Rosewood's house. 
Yep. We get to see what he really lives like. Um, and they make fun of him and, and the Rambo green and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we get the Rambo. Uh, we get a Rambo poster. We get a Cobra <laughs> poster, which obviously is not a Sylvester Stallone because of him supposed to be Axel Foley uh, yeah. originally, which is pretty cool. Which before I never knew that. So I was just kind of like, ah, it was kind of random. But, you know, he was big at the time. But now it makes sense now that I know that. Yeah. So uh, I really like the fingerprint scene. Uh, really good stuff. I mean, it's simple, but uh, you know, even Tagger and Rosewood didn't really know what was up with the with the glue and stuff. And right, really good scene. Yeah, no, definitely. I like I like the turtle. Yeah, <laughs> prior, prior that, to that, <laughs> <laughs> the turtle joke. Yeah, that was so funny, so good. Uh, and then they do the dating game song. Then mm-hmm. you, oh, so good. They're just f- finishing each other's lines at this point, and really good stuff. So. Yeah, I think that's where this movie, like, this, it shines. Like, they have this, like, they're, they're looking for clues. And they're kind of going through this whole thing. But at the same time, they're having, like, a good time. And they're all singing. And they do this little bit together, the three of them. I think that's where this movie definitely is, like, its own. Yeah, exactly. And they talk about going to the gun club. And he's mm-hmm. like, lighten up. Take some risk, you know. And uh, they really mess with Taggart because Billy at this point is always on Axel's side. There's no convincing Billy. Right. If Axel says go, he'll be like, how far? Uh, Billy Versus in the first one, Billy had to be like, well, how far? This time, Billy's like, whatever you say, Axel, I'm doing. And, and it's like different where now we got to bring Taggart along. And Taggart is always up until the end. Even he jokes about like, you know, go on without me, whatever, you know, and the whole like truck scene later on. Right. Even he's joking around like, I'm getting too old, just go, you know, and it's really funny how he's always got to catch up, but uh, like the gum trick. Mm-hmm. So, so funny. That's when you learn about his criminal background and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love it when he's like, you got any more? It's my last piece. And he cuts him <laughs> off. He's like, share it. And then he just looks at Tagger and says, none for you. You know, that at that point, you know, it, they're so close that uh, it it works. He's not being rude or anything. It's really good stuff. Yeah, definitely. They have this connection between the two of them. So when Billy pulls out the knife, and uh, I love it when Tiger's like, Billy, we need to talk, which becomes a running gag throughout the rest of the film about, Billy, mm-hmm. we need to talk. Because you're seeing a different side of Billy. You're seeing the quote-unquote Rambo side of right. Billy now. So it's well, good. He has all those guns when – when Axel goes into one of the back rooms, he, tar- he pulls the door open. You see like six gun, six or eight guns lined yep. up on the door. Yep, definitely. I was gonna ask you, how did you, how do you like the new Billy, man? I, I like it. I mean, his character—it's just it works. Like he's not, he's not a dick about it. Like he doesn't change in this weird, crazy way. Like I think it, it suits the way he's developing, and, and like it, it's overdone for comedy, which I enjoy. I think exactly. it's like it's done just enough to get laughs out of, but he's it's not too much. Right. So one scene that's hysterical is the Inspector Todd scene, where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's got a he gets a fake phone call that they want to interview him, and this is where, uh, you know, essentially, um, what's his character's name? Paul Reiser. Yeah, where Paul Reiser, which his name in the film is uh, – okay, so Jeffrey is supposed to take the phone call, and he's got to be in detector in, in uh, Inspector Todd's office. And he comes up he's like, okay, who the F tricked me? And you're like – and the phone starts to ring, and he's like, do I go? Do I take the phone call? And mm-hmm. I love it when he's like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, this isn't my office. <laughs> Damn right it isn't. And he just looks down and really – 
this scene is kind of like you could take it or leave it as in like okay would the real inspector todd not know that he was set up by by jeffrey or is he just like so pissed that he doesn't really care that jeffrey was in his office you know that's kind of how i'm looking is that he doesn't he's so pissed he can't think straight and he just like jeffrey what are you doing in my office get out like what are you doing on the floor kind of thing so yeah definitely i mean i'll go with that like he seems like the guy you just like he bursts and like he just he loses kind of all rational when he when he gets mad so i could i could see that being the reason yep uh i love it when uh axel and billy are running to get you know the the guys before they want to basically stop the robbery that's going to happen yeah, at the yeah. bank and uh he's like what are you clint eastwood when he pulls out the big gun he's like well you know being at the gun at the gun place it made me want to get bigger <laughs> he's like who do you think you are dirty rosewood uh real funny stuff yeah he just pulls out this gigantic magnum <laughs> and it's like as long as ha- it's like half your arm length exactly and then they uh, they end up getting to the security place and like the guys just like uh, you need authorization and they both shoot at the same time and they yell authorized. Yep, good stuff. Yeah, um, that's like it's just Axel and Mini Axel once yep, again. Exactly, Axel and Mini Axel. I like it when uh, Billy obviously can't drive because everything yeah. every time he's behind the wheel he's crashed into something. But the best thing is when he's in the big truck and he hits the he's like. And Axel, he hits the car, uh, the squad car. And Axel's like, you just hit a squad car. He goes, it's okay. He's a, I know the guy. He's a jerk. Man, I laughed so hard at that scene, man. It was so <laughs> funny. Axel says it was such like, like he's just so scared. For, and then because he has Billy driving this thing and he's hitting people. Yeah. And then he just starts cracking up when Billy cracks a joke. It, it's funny. Exactly. He starts laughing. I love it when he's like, does this thing have a steering wheel? Does the steering wheel work? He goes, are you driving or are you using the force? Real funny stuff, man. <laughs> so good. So, okay. Uh, and then they get to the Playboy Mansion and Taggart finally catches up and Billy's like, Sarge, you old bloodhound? Is that <laughs> <laughs> And then he's like, Billy, isn't this? Yeah. And then he's like, no. And uh, the whole Playboy Mansion scene is pretty funny. What do you think? It is funny. I think it's one of those things where maybe it could have – it's like in there because it's a sequel where they kind of emphasize the the drug sex violence part of it. So they, they kind of throw in like these hot model girls running around playing volleyball. But it's not too – like it's it's in the same vein as the movies. Like they've had this before so it's not totally out there. But yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. You see, like you just see all these like people in suits and these girls in bikinis running around, and the three of them like assess the situation before they walk <laughs> in. They're so like, they're they're kind of like, huh? All right, let's do this. And Axel just starts leading the group in. Right. I mean, I think I would agree with the statement about the more sex with if everybody was naked there. Because, yeah. uh, but in this, they're all dressed, especially being a Playboy Mansion, you instantly think that they're going to be naked. And mm-hmm. I think that's what makes this sequel work versus other sequels that take it too far is they had the same amount of nudity in this one as they did in the first one, but they may have had just maybe like a minute or two more because they had the same nudity in the same spot as the first one, which was a strip club. Mm-hmm. But the strip club was only one girl, same as this one, only one girl. You get a Playboy scene and you would expect to have a whole bunch of nudity in there. Not so. That's how this sequel is really working. Where uh, it's 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 using other areas to go bigger and better, but. 
the scene, but they also keep everything the same in regards to like nudity and uh, right. and stuff they, like that. So. Like a, yeah, like we were saying, they don't overdo it. They just might linger on a shot of a girl in a bikini throwing playing volleyball a little bit more or that type of type of thing. But it's definitely in the vein of this universe, so it's not totally out there. Right, exactly. But it definitely does advance the plot, like when. Axel goes and he just starts talking of all these guys and like they're all the villain guys in the Playboy Mansion. And he says like, uh, "What's the guy's name?" Max. He says, "Max kills cops <laughs> for a living," and then yeah. everyone just stops talking. So good. Like, yeah. So like good. It, it definitely he, it's one of those uh, points in the movie where he finally confronts the bad guy, but it's still not the end yet. Right. Uh, after the Playboy scene, um, they are now in Lutz's office and. Axel's coming clean about who he is, and right. he's forced to get out. And I love him when he's like, "Is this a black thing?" And <laughs> it's it's real funny the way that he says it. Uh, again, he's pushing the uh, not being racist card, because yeah. uh, you know, like we talked about, he definitely balanced it in the first one, and he's doing the same thing with in this movie. I mean, they're definitely going times two, but he's still Eddie Murphy is still able to keep the balance perfectly, if not better. Than he did in the first film. Yeah, he doesn't take it in a bad direction. He just makes comments about it. He never makes like derogatory statements. Exactly. Um, so when we get to Sydney, played by Gilbert, uh, does mm. it pretty good. He has a funny line about, "Oh, don't let the fact that the door is closed." Right, like you, know, you from entering my office. Or <laughs> right. Something. I like it when he says, when Axel's like, "You have 25 unpaid parking tickets," and he picks up the phone that was that he hung up and yells the b word to his wife mm -hmm. i thought was i thought it was kind of subtle but funny at the same time and i talked about it earlier with the bribe with the two hundred dollars and they put the glasses on and right. and they're get out of the office i can't believe it i don't want to hear it billy uh that's kind of the part where i was like would people find axel to be unlikable at this point which we already talked about but I just kind of always look at it as like he's always writing his wrongs and that's just the guy that he is and his whole background is what makes him the awesome cop and detective that he is. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. And being that it's a scene with uh, uh, Godfrey that I kind of don't – I'll excuse it because I'm not a fan of his anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's more of an actor slight. But... Right. But no, definitely, like you said, he he makes up for it in other scenes and you can kind of, you can believe it through his character. It's not – yeah. out of the realm of possibility with him gilbert doesn't go over the top though like he has in other films i think he was pretty well balanced in this film yeah he kept his voice down i usually when he starts getting really loud and he starts getting screechy kind of it's a pain yeah. in the butt but i hear you yeah i was able to handle it this time so uh axel cracks the code and mm -hmm. uh you know he's like it's an easy code and like you know if, i like it when he's like i wasn't always a cop and B billy and tagger finish his line yeah not oh you know i broke the law occasionally you know that whole that whole scene there where billy and taggart are finishing his line right. he said earlier i thought it was really cool good stuff so um when we get to the racetrack and they're ripping off there's all those bags of money man i just was like man even if it's fake i just want to hold all that in my hand oh yeah it would be amazing i don't even know what i do with that much money oh <laughs> pay so off some good. loans Move out. Maybe I may rename myself legally to Axel Foley. I mean, that's a pretty badass <laughs> cop name, if you ask Yeah, it me. is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I hear you on that one. Um, okay. So when um, we get the end and 
they go in the trunk and Billy puts on his coat and and Taggart's just like, we really need to talk, Billy. Um, <laughs> and he's like, you can never have too much firepower. Um, I like this because now Billy is officially Axel, like actual junior. I mean, he's he's been exactly. It's like he's been the uh, he's Axel's been his mentor. Now Billy at this point is like he can go on his own and be his own Axel Foley at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so the yo baby, yo baby, yo rap, love it. Hysterical. One of my all time favorite parts in movies and in this film was the, do you love rap music? Yo baby, yo, what do you think of that scene? It was good. I'm not crazy into rap music, but it was funny. (laughs) I enjoyed it. So it it definitely like in, in the context of the movie, I really enjoyed it. Exactly. Um, so Billy shoots the rocket launcher and Taggart says F Rambo. Thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that is really funny. Like, yeah, I mean, we saw the Rambo posters in the room. I think there was one time Axel even looks at the Rambo poster. It's pretty funny. Yeah, but he then, does. And then you have um, Billy, who's actually, like, you have Axel, who was supposed to be, quote-unquote, Rambo, and then you have Billy, who's acting more like Rambo in this movie than he does. So it's, yep. it's kind of funny. Like, yeah, I love when he, when he has Taggart hand him the giant missile. Yep, it's awesome. Um, so Taggart blows away Bridget Nielsen, uh, and says women real funny. Um, and then the best part of all, my favorite scene of the film is the confrontation with Lutz mm-hmm. and he's constant Billy and Taggart being told to shut up and he find Billy stands up and says, you shut up. No, he says, no, you know, you shut up and just goes off on him and he gets fired. And I love it when Axel's like, are they civilians? I'm going to kick your ass later. That whole scene is my, if not my favorite, one of my all-time favorite scenes of this film. That ending was just so awesome. It's like the, you know, the karate kid, you know, beating up, finally getting the underdog to go rise above the enemy. And that's. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have, you always have that physical enemy where you can go up and it's a basic, it's a gunfight. But then you have this guy like Lutz who pops in and he's basically like he deg- he tries to degrade you and he's yelling. So it's really good to see a character like that fall down from their ivory tower. Yep. And then the final scene um, when he's like, you know, you don't have to thank me. I love you guys. Versus last time he only said it to Billy. This time he says it to both of them with a smile on his face and probably means it even more than he ever did before. And they both smile and and just kind of you know shake hands and it's like all three of them are definitely you know in it to win it together and you know none of them are afraid to share the fact of how they feel for each other which is pretty awesome yeah by, definitely by we made sequel. yeah i mean we made a, a bit of a conversation point on the last movie saying how he only he didn't say it too much he like we thought that he basically only said it when he like really meant it right and in this one he said it at the very end so definitely like it pops up again and you know that he means it and it's to both of them at the same time not just one right and the difference is in this one it wasn't hard for him to say it versus in the first one you know he's kind of was has the way he says it was like it was really hard for him to say versus this one it was like not a problem whatsoever like if if he's not said it before if this is the first time he said it since the last time it was so easy for him to say it because it is it's just so easy for him to say it now so good stuff so we talked a lot about what we like of the film mm-hmm. um i haven't got your rating yet but i wanted to know was there anything in this film that you did not like or any just what do you what do you got um i mean i think we went through i was a little more critical during 
during the little review, but I think, um, just like we said, the more Hollywood style, it fits a sequel. I mean, they're always going to do that if the first one's successful. They're going to kind of ride that and try to amp it up to get more of a reaction because, I mean, you can't just redo the same thing over and over and expect people to just follow you blindly. Right. But I think it works. Um, the, the characters... I really enjoyed like the new guys like Lutz, even though they kind of annoyed me, they brought more to the movie. Yep. So I mean I have to say pretty much the same it was it was a really good sequel in that there's not really much different that I didn't that I dislike from the first one to the new one. Like pretty much it would be the same kind of uh, reaction based on that. I guess you could say I'm kind of like mixed jumbling up my words, but no, if, I, if you I, know I what I mean. Which, yeah, it's, well, it's there's a similar there's Whatever I didn't care for in the first one kind of plays over into this one because that's the type of movie they're playing with. So, Well, in the first one, we said – or at least I did – that our rating on the first one was being based on the sequel. Yeah. And, and I said you know, I could – a strong four and a half, almost five depending on rewatching the sequel, how I feel about it. The only scene that I had, which it wasn't really a problem. It's more of a nitpick is when um, she shoots Kane and the robbery is over Mm -hmm. and she immediately has changed so fast that the horse race is over. And and I was kind of like, how were you able to do that so fast? That was the only really nitpick that I had of the film. Everything worked for me. Um, Yeah, stuff like that, it doesn't even like, like it factors, but it's like a non-factor. Right. Because it's like, that's just an editing or like movie plot device kind of thing. So yeah, I definitely, I mean, I can agree with that. And I, I think the horse race, like it was kind of needed for that scene because the horse race was just a display of like how fast they were trying to move. And we had that whole time thing where they had to do it under a certain time and she yeah. had the, she had the watch. So, I mean, I could see why they would choose not to change that up and edit it differently. But at the same time, yeah, it's kind of one of those things that makes you, it could pull you out of the movie for an instant. All right, so let let's get to the let's get to the thing, rating wise. Um, I honestly, without a shadow of doubt, could give this movie five stars because of the fact of how much I love it and how it is the epitome of. This is one of the best sequels I have ever seen. It's one of the very few where part two to me is better than part one. Lethal Weapon would. Is another one of those. Yeah. But this is one of the very few sequels that I love over the original. And for me, because I had I had more fun. It was took everything that I liked in the first one and made everything better. The relationship between Billy, Axel, and Rosewood was so much better. I laughed so much more. It had the great music, even better music than before. The shootouts were awesome. The action, the story was huge, but yet it was still no plot holes that I could find. I would easily give this movie a five-star, and I would have to give the same to the first one. Um, so if, you're upping your score. Yeah. If anything, yeah, I would have to give both movies a five star. But I can tell you right now that part three would hit nowhere near the rating I'm giving these two. I can, okay. I, even though you haven't seen it, and I have. Yeah, yeah. And for the listeners, they're gonna be like, "Whoa, he's gonna love part three too." I can tell you right now that I'm not a fan of part three. Okay. Uh, it's good, but I'm interested to see how much how you feel about next 
next movie. But I would I'd have to say this is one of my all time favorite sequels, and it's a sequel done right in every way. So I would give it a five star. Yeah, definitely. I I would give it a five star movie because the kid like. I just loved watching it, and I would keep my first movie at a four or five because it does it does everything like I said last time. Like I already reviewed that, so all the things I liked and disliked stay the same. But this one definitely touched upon like all that stuff. And even though they were like we said, there's like like I the Hollywoodish type of movie that they amped on a little bit more and all that kind of stuff. I still think like there were no big crazy like downfalls of this movie it kept up what it what it needed to be and it was a better sequel than definitely like any other movies deliver sequels uh, can be and just so and then just so the nation knows that if i didn't say it was a 5.0 masuna said he'd target my family so <laughs> <laughs> that's good sidebar but uh, uh no really the uh not definitely a 5.0 i like it was really enjoyable movie it kept me like the characters they played on, they got new characters that I liked other than Gilbert Godfrey or whatever his name is. Yep, uh, and then, like, it was just a really, really solid movie. And, yeah, like you said, the third one isn't one of your favorites, but I definitely want to see how I feel knowing how they could do – how they did a sequel better than the original one. I want to know how they fell a little bit with the third one. Yep. I could tell you right away, not having Taggart in it, it made a huge difference. Okay, yeah. Like, he, I, he's a big part. He's one of the three. Yep. And he um, has the most screen time next to Rosewood and yeah. Axel. Um, yeah, so uh, I, here's the thing. It's a one-two punch, as John, as John the Mailman says in his email, um, that one and two go hand-in-hand to hand, so one-two punch, which is why, for me, number one's rating goes up based on part two. Which okay. you would think that it'd be the other way around, but for me, because of how awesome two is, makes part one that half star better for me. It when... definitely set up this movie. You can't have one without the other. Yep. And I think it's like similar to how a lot of people feel about the Batman movies, where like you have one and it's just as good or better than the sequel. In this case, the sequel is better, but it's still along the same lines where the one complements the second so nicely, like it can't be without it. So you just have to kind of take them at the same time. Yep. So um, I guess, is that, I mean, do we have anything else to say about this film or, or is that a wrap for this review? No, I mean, we're already o- over an hour, so I think we definitely talked this movie out. Yep. All right, so let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. Before we get into emails, there's something that uh, has come up, which um, the Facebook page has, as you know, gotten a lot more active because Andrew finally got off his butt and decided to join the conversations a lot. Yeah, I got off my butt to get back (laughs) on it and sit in front of the computer. Exactly. And uh, he has written some movie reviews of some uh, movies you just recently saw, which was pretty good. Uh, You did Mission – what would you do? Mission Impossible and what else? And uh, War Horse, that re- the, both of them are very recent. War Horse was as uh, recent as Christmas, and Mission Impossible was a little before that, I believe. And uh, I reviewed um, a great B-movie, Shark Attack, because yep. I, 
I hated Shark Knight, and uh, and believe it or not, this B movie was so flipping amazing. Um, I wrote all about it, but the thing that I wanted to talk to you guys real quick is we have this thing going on which started right after this episode had posted, and it's about the future of the the future of the podcast, how mm. we're going to be taking the rest of the year, and it has to do with uh, the fans picking movies like series and movies and uh sebastian actually made a suggestion on and that's how this whole thing started so here's kind of what we were thinking uh, what i'm thinking of doing i'm gonna throw the ideas off of you sir and take it from there okay, okay. so now flicks what they do is is everybody sends in their movie request they have the big list and then they draw a number and that's the movie that they do so here's what i was thinking that we do everybody will like uh you know, I'll throw up a thing in the – it will be in the question area of the Facebook page. So you have to be a member of the Facebook page in order to in order to do this. Right. And then you go to the question and you put your – either the movie that you want us to review or the movie series. And since we do four movies a month, you know, we record once a week. What we'll do is, is the, before we start the next month, we'll pick random four movies or, you know, a series, whatever. We'll just randomly pick – and we'll then throw out a vote to you guys. And you can vote as many times as you want. And the one with the most vote by the following Tuesday when we record would be the winner. And it, the top four, because we do four movies. So yeah. the, the top four are the ones that uh, that win for the next movies, whether it be a movie or a series. So that's kind of what I was thinking. What what are some of your ideas? That's kind of what I was thinking. No, definitely that works. I mean like we said, I want – uh we'll see how many uh different movies we get in like i'm sure we have our little small group of dedicated guys who are going to throw in like 100 movies at us so we'll definitely <laughs> be overwhelmed at one point but um no it definitely works uh as long as we get more than four movies that that's a good plan yeah um uh, well see here's the thing um Anthony has already requested from um, before you came on as you know co-host. He mm-hmm. already threw some suggestions at me, which I'm not sure if you had heard them. But uh, some of the ones that he had already were, uh, which we've gotten a lot of good response on Facebook lately, is just like the a bunch of horror series like Scream, Friday Thirteenth, which we would probably save those for more um, October time. We yep. have Alien, Die Hard, Harry Potter, which we're definitely gonna do. Yeah, we're working um, on it. Yep, and then we're then another one was like um, uh, Critters, Alien, Superman movies, Rush Hour, which I wasn't too much a fan of that. Um, you know, Mortal Kombat, stuff like that. So all of his movie suggestions I'm already going to throw on the list and from other ones that I've gotten, like uh, Big Stan and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. That's why we're doing Short Circuit next because I promised John the Mailman a long time ago that I would do that series. So what we're going to do is, is after the Beverly Hills Cop series, we're going to take a small vacation. Yep. And then we're going to come back and we're going to do Short Circuit 1 and 2. And then after that, we're gonna th- we're gonna start the voting process from from you guys. Whatever you guys pick, we'll we'll go with. So we'll keep everybody posted on Facebook how it's gonna go. So if you want news, you need to be a fan on the Facebook page. And then no worry about running out of movies because me and me and Andrew loves hundreds and hundreds of movies. There's no way that we would ever run out of ideas. Yeah, between the two of us. Exactly, and we want it, we want to get the fans of this podcast in as much interaction as possible. We want to make this one of the most interactive podcasts there is. So yeah, definitely. I mean, 
the movies that we're going to do, if this plan goes according to plan, I mean, it's going to be up to them. So. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, sir, let's uh, let's get into the emails. And uh, the very first one, uh, I got a really cool clip. Anytime we get a new emailer, this is the clip I'm going to play. So please email in so I can play this more than once. So here's the cool clip I have for whenever we get a new member of the STL Nation. Okay, so the new STL member is Charlie. And uh, Charlie actually comes from uh, the other podcast I do, which is The Shadowy Flight, the podcast dedicated to Knight Rider. He says, hey, Mike, I just wanted to let you know I started listening to your podcast and I'm a listener of The Shadowy Flight podcast that you took over. Looking forward to hear what you do with movies and music. And that is from Charlie. So thank you, sir, so much for writing in. It's great to have a new member of the STL Nation. So good stuff. Yeah, definitely. It's good to see the, see it grow a little bit, bit by bit. Yep. All right, sir. So we have Anthony, the epic emailer from Hillmar, California. And uh, did you see the the photo I posted on the Facebook page? Of which photo would that be? It's the one that uh, that he made of us censoring him from the yes. last episode. Did you like yeah, that? Yeah, it was like a, a cartoon that he yep. drew. Yeah, yeah. I was laughing out loud at that. <laughs> that was that was good stuff. Like, I enjoy when people like fan artwork is the best because it just shows that like these guys listen and then they they really enjoy it. So that was really cool. Yeah, very very cool. Um, here's essentially what Anthony says, and we'll talk about that drawing in just a minute here. He says, mm-hmm. hey there, Masunis and Andrew. Speaking of Andrew, you asked for suggestions on what could be your personal send-off, and yep. I have one. My suggestion is this is Andrew, ta-ta for now. Just something that came to me, so forget about it if you think this sucks. Um, you got you did a terrific job in starting out the Beverly Hills Cop series. It's perhaps a series that might have been somewhat forgotten over the time, but looking back at them, they're still enjoyable to watch to this very day. Saw the second one, and I still and while I still enjoyed it, I feel that there is a bit lacking when compared to the first one. The interaction between the main characters from the previous movie was still as entertaining, and at times was even better at points. When uh, even when Axel, Rosewood, and Taggart interacted with the other characters, had their moments. Perhaps the only character I couldn't really stand was Harold Lutz. I know that he was supposed to be a character that you're not supposed to like, but he just got on my nerves. Uh, for a rating, I would give it a 4.5 out of 5. Enjoyed it, but as I stated before, it wasn't as good as the first one. But the decrease is very, with uh, a line underneath, very mm-hmm. slim. Uh, no, this email is somewhat shorter than what I might usually send, but I don't really have much to say. However, I attached another picture to you to check out. I know that it isn't well as a previous one I sent you, but couldn't help sending it to you. By the way, sir, this is way better than your – I mean your epic emailer photo picture of Batman was hilarious, but this was way better, dude, just so you know. Um, he said, if it doesn't come out good, just tell me and I'll try to send you a quote-unquote better copy one. No promises though. That's all for me. Until next time, see you, Masunis and Andrew. And uh, okay, here's what his – if you haven't seen the Facebook page, here's what he says. At the top, it says, what could happen when your email is read on Sweep Delay Podcast? <laughs> and it's a picture of uh, him looking sad and his friend with spike hair, which I thought it was me because I have spike hair. He says, what's wrong, Anthony? Listen to the recent Sweep Delay uh, and A and uh, A was censored my – oh, 
Sorry, I got to do a close-up on this. I'm sorry, guys. Hold on. Yeah, I'm looking at it too. Yeah. All right, here we go. All right, here's what he says. And it says, what's wrong, Anthony? Listen to recent Sweep the Leg, and they censored my email. They said everyone has a-holes like opinions. And the guy says, is that all? Everyone has a-holes. In fact, I'll show you mine. And he's like, wait, <laughs> you don't have to do that. We're friends, but we're not that close to friends. Take a look at this. And it's a, a picture of a shirt with holes in it and a sock. I have holes on two of my clothes. Not sure they are others who have them too. And Anthony is sitting there with thinking and he punches his friend in the face and says, idiot. And it says, be sure to continue checking out the episodes that are posted on Sweep the Leg podcast website. Also wanted to apologize for how amateur this little sketch turned. Drawing is not one of my strong points, but couldn't resist doing it. So um, I responded back to him right away. And I just said how funny that was. And it takes a lot of – he took a lot of time out of his day just to do that. So Yeah, no, that's definitely funny. I mean sweep the leg, encourages violence. It's a, it's, a good, <laughs> it's a good note to send to your kids. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, sir. So we got John the Mailman writes in. He says, hey there, Mike and new co-host Andrew. I would have to change my star rating for Beverly Hills Cop 1. This is interesting. He says, from a 4 to a 4.5. Some things you said about the I love you stuff with this friend and the fact that they not really much wrong with it. Um, and, you know, and the fact that there's not nothing wrong with it. Um, I mean, it's pretty cool, dude, that someone actually changed the rating based on what we talked about. Yeah, that definitely. Makes me feel really good. Yeah, at least now we, we know we're hitting points that makes people think about it a little bit more. We're not just blabbering about stuff they already know. Right. And he says, and for the and for it to be 90% off the cuff, I did not know that, is really funny. Beverly Hills Cop 2 is a great movie. 1 and 2 work well as a great one-two punch. It's also rare to see a well-done sequel that jumps right into the story and no introduction needed. You can tell everyone stayed real close and became even better friends. It has some really good action, funny, but I start, but I think part one was funnier. I gave it 4.5 out of 5. Also, before I forget, I love the editing of the Beverly Hills Cop episode. I hope this one is done just as good. Um, thank you, sir. I had a blast putting the intro together. And it seems you guys love the, the Heat Is On, how I played the whole song instead of just part of it. I definitely felt the, the Beverly Hills Cop vibe there. So I prom as you can tell... I've definitely structured this episode just the same. So hopefully you guys dig the intro just as much as the original intro. So, And uh, and you checked out the last episode we did, right, sir? Yep. Yeah, definitely. And it sounded great. I mean, like we said, we've already said, you've, you're an editing master now. You've, you've <laughs> had so much practice at, at, this, at this point. Editing machine. And I just want to apologize to all the fans that have stuck with this show. I have had to go back and listen to older episodes and they suck horribly i just want to say you know as i i said last week which i didn't finish how on new year's day i wanted i thanked everybody for sticking around on this show when i went through bad editing and not knowing the structure of the show and getting you know guest co-host on and, and finally andrew coming on official it's been a long road we're almost at 50 episodes uh and it's i'm surprised everybody stuck along as long as they did but now that we now that you're on andrew hopefully we get even more fans because it's a lot easier to listen to a podcast with two people than just one person but 
you know, through all those faults, I've been definitely able to make the episodes better, especially when it comes to editing and music and all that stuff. So oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a learning process for both of us. I mean, I don't know how much radio experience you've had, if anything, prior none, to this, none, but none. yeah, and you've had nothing. So, I mean, and I know I've had barely anything. I mean, I was for my school radio, I did a little bit of reporting and that was about it. So any of this stuff that we're doing now, it, it's all brand new to us. We're just we're, we're learning on the fly. So, yeah. It's definitely good. Yeah, um, got a hang of it. Yeah. And uh, I would also like to add my two cents on the other side of the Karate Kid rant. Um, about the friend about the friend being gone. I think most people are just saying he went from a main character type role to a pop-up role. And has Andrew seen the Kung Fu Kid? Have you, sir? Yeah. I saw the, the recent – the new one with Jaden Smith. Yep. Yep. Okay. It was, it was good. It was entertaining. I – Still prefer the old ones, but I'm not so much of a Karate Kid apologist where the new one kind of like isn't like I'll put my hands up and kind of shield it away from my eyes. Like it was it was OK. It was good. Nothing special. I kind of thought it was a little uncomfortable how um, Jackie Chan was taking on 12 year olds at one point in the movie. <laughs> but other than that, it, w- it was an entertaining film. I, th- I enjoyed it. I don't really I'm not hoping for a sequel. I think a standalone was fine. Cool. Um, and he says, I know you don't want to, but let's see how 2012 goes with Smile of Face. You know, um, I can definitely see myself watching it, um, which if you guys don't know, the 100th episode is going to be The Karate Kid. You know, I said that uh, it was I wasn't going to do that movie until we until I perfected the show. But for the 50th episode, what me and Andrew are doing is one of his all-time favorite movies and yes. is essentially the real Karate Kid uh, remake, which is Never Back Down. Uh, that's going to be the 50th episode. It's got awesome music. It's essentially like the Karate Kid, but with MMA instead of karate. You and Ty reviewed it. You loved it a lot more than he did, but yeah. you're, you're like me. When you like a movie, you really like a movie, and you go oh, all out. So. Yeah, I'll, I've watched this so many times, and actually since the review with Ty, I've watched it a few more times, and I've seen the background, uh, the extra features from the Blu-ray, so I know a little bit more of behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. And awesome. Yeah, I'll be ready to talk about it when the time comes. I love this movie. I can't wait, man. Um, so that's going to – just so you guys know, that's the 50th episode. Don't expect it to be live. We don't do live stuff here. Maybe the 100th episode, but the 50th episode is going to essentially be us reviewing Never Back Down and then – We'll do a, uh, just kind of a tribute of the past 50 episodes of how crappy they were and how they've gotten better. Just my favorite parts of the show, basically, with all the guest stars and all that other stuff. So. Yep, that works. Uh, he says, I think it was a great movie, four stars. Only problem is it was too long and I wanted more student-teacher interaction. Thank you for your time. Hope you have a great show. Loving all the new news for the show. Can't wait to hear any new info coming our way. John the Mailman, consider this email delivered. And uh, this one's for you, sir. Uh, he says, P.S. Don't know any sign-outs for Andrew, maybe. Uh, this is Andrew signing. Uh, this is Andrew saying, have a great morning, afternoon, night, because I don't know when someone is listening. Um, this is Andrew saying, pay it forward. Good movie. Uh, this is my favorite. He says, Andrew out. It can be a sweep the leg thing. Which I say Masunas out, you Everyone say Andrew says out. It. Yeah, so there you go. You can say Andrew out. That's the one I like the most. Since they're kind of bad, just playing the game. Hope you find one. So that's from John the Mailman. So thank you, sir, as yeah, always. Yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll definitely take them into consideration. I'm trying to think of things that I enjoy and trying to like fit it in there. Like I like how John the Mailman has his 
uh, consider this email delivered. So yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think it. of a TV themed sign out. So it'll nice. come to me eventually. Yeah, I I I had to ask him that. I was like, dude, is it cool if I call you John the Mailman? Because he, it was just the cool thing we did, and he instantly came up with that catchphrase and like trademark that sucker because it's yours, man. It's awesome. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely unique and original. I like it. Good deal. So Sebastian, the comedian, writes in and he says, "Hi, Sweet Billy Podcast," which. There's nothing funny there, sir. So you're losing your comedian status. He says, I've never seen the Beverly Hills Cop series, but heard many great things from Flick's podcast and from your host with the most. So I want, so I went and saw the series. Beverly Hills Cop, uh, four out of five stars. Great cast, fantastic comedy and comedic timing. Beverly Hills Cop 2. 4.25 out of 5. This guy is always with the point stuff. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. Stars, same as before, but done slightly better than the original. Now, he has some song or album requests. Um, he, you know, like on the Facebook page for us to review. He has yep. like the Tron Legacy soundtrack, which I don't have that. So do you have that? I don't. Okay. I could, I could get it, but I don't. Okay. Fast Five, you do have that soundtrack. Right? I have that. Okay. He's requesting that you review that soundtrack, sir. Okay. Um... Foo Fighters, My Hero, which I don't have that, no. and Hannah Original Soundtrack. So I don't have those. I told him that if we ever get those, we'll have no problem in you know going to review those for him. So. Okay. Yeah, I could definitely promise the Fast Five. So cool. yeah, and, there's and, that. Awesome. And at the end, he says, Timmy's in the house. Hey, 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 smoke peas every day. I have no idea what that means, but I guess that's his community. Maybe that'll be my sign-off. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. I'll have to shoot you. Man. Yeah. <laughs> And the final email comes from uh, our our good friend, John the Music Man. And he says, hey, sirs, what can I say about Beverly Hills Cop 2? Um, shake down, break down, you're busted. Mm, yeah, I love that song. Uh, what can I say when I think of that movie? That song pops in my head. I have the same reaction. When I think of Beverly Hills Cop 2, that song pops in my head. I'm the same way. Mostly because shortly after this came out as a young teenager, I went on a trip with my grandparents to visit a cousin in Canada. This song was on the radio, and all my cousins around my age loved this movie too. So as kids, we talked about it a lot. Such a great summer. I and I was 12, and I believe at the time. So okay, about the movie. My favorite part is at the end when Billy opens the trunk and he has all those guns. Such a classic scene, and uh, and that that's all he's got to say. So John. John the John from Philly, aka John the Music Man. So that's pretty cool, actually, how he heard the music in the car. Like, I'm, I was just thinking about it. How, like, I don't know where. Where's the first time you watched this movie? Was it on home video or was it in yes. the movies? Because home? you're not, uh, you're not great, uh, gray-haired grandpa over me. But I mean, I'm I'm a little younger, so this, obviously, like we said, this is the first time I'm seeing it. I'm so I didn't there's, know where you did. Um, there's a ten-year difference between us because I'm 32. Yeah, yeah, and I'm 23. Yeah, so, um, and I saw it on home video, um, and I play Cops and Robbers after this film immediately. I was like, after I heard this song, I'm like, I'm going to go into police because I want to bust people so I can sing this <laughs> song. Uh, but, I, yeah, I was a kid I was a kid when I saw this, um, definitely young, you know, young teenagers. Um, I mean, it came out in for, uh, early, uh, late 80s. Nin- yeah. yeah, it's 89 or, ni- yeah, the last one's 94. Yeah. Yep. So, so this one's 87 or so. Yep. So yeah, it was it was a good time. So All right, sir. Well, that's what we got for emails. So uh so yeah. Um oh, before uh before we end the show, uh, I want to send some pimp pimp uh, I want to send some pimpage out 
to all of our buddies out there. Um, you know, our friends, um, Jason and Danny over at uh, Film and Focus, go check out that show. Uh, they recently just did the uh, their top actresses, and they're going to be doing the best and worst of 2011, kind of like we did. But theirs is definitely going to be more intriguing conversation. They have, uh, they, they go in depth. They know yeah. a lot. They they definitely study up a lot more than we do. We're a little more, they're definitely more professionalism with oh, yeah. their research and all that kind of stuff. We're a little bit more let loose fun. Yeah. We're fun boys. And, and, uh, I mean, Jason's a fun boy, but he's definitely more analytical, just like, just like Danny. So that's awesome times. And then show me to Winston's going to be having a live show on Thursday, but I'm in Illinois. I can't make it out to Nevada. So going to be missing that one, but check out that show. It's flipping amazing. Uh, and then, of course, we have uh, Crossroads, which – oh, sir. So – The Crossroads. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if you guys don't know Ty, uh, Ty and Stars were on The Crow and, uh, you know, Andrew and Ty are If you guys really... don't know Ty, I envy you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ty is super funny and Ty uh, was, was once the host of the Crossroads podcast, which is podcast dedicated – dedicated to supernatural but here's the thing jason took over when ty left so stars is the official host and jason's co-host well ty came on the last episode on the live episode and i just want to play you this little clip because it's flipping hilarious and you would think that someone like me would be offended but after you hear the clip you'll understand why so uh so check this out and we have an email anybody want to Take a guess who this is from. That must be from Kara. No. Um, Coco! <laughs> no. No. Go ahead. Jason, it, Jason, it's your best friend. Go ahead, did you send an email? He no. doesn't know how to read either. <laughs> how do you write an email? Poor Dan. Oh. Yeah, poor Dan. Don't pay attention to them. I'm talking to you. No, no you're other best friend. We, we don't care about him either. I got nothing. <laughs> I wish I knew what Ty said there. Oh, <laughs> 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 an email from the city. Never heard of him. No. <laughs> 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 he says, what is up, Stars and Jason? Now, don't be a masseunist and tell me you won't give death store five stars. I love how any normal person would say, what's up? He always says, what is up? He's <laughs> ripping on me as always. Good stuff. Like he's a it's robot. Maybe he is. It's true. That would make him a little bit cooler. I'm your host with the most Mike Mac bassoon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he just said... <laughs> oh. He, he so was definitely good. drinking something at that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I've listened to that over 50 times. It was so good. Oh, <laughs> so good. So thank you, Ty. Love it, sir. That was hilarious. Love all you guys. You guys are hilarious. So if you guys don't know, they, they love to rip on me on that show. It's so fun. So uh, And then the final podcast, obviously, uh, is the Night Rider podcast. They do the Shadowy Flight. Uh, it's only a half hour long. Just talk some old school Night Rider, good times. Um, Jason and Dan gave me the privilege of taking over the show. So that episode, the one I just did, should be out, uh, if not tonight, tomorrow. 
so yeah, those are uh, those are our pimpage buddies. And then if you uh, if you are not a fan of the Facebook page, www.facebook.com/sweetbladepodcast. What? I said be one. If you're not a fan, be one. Right. Uh, Twitter. Uh, don't do a lot of twitting tweeting too much but i do post some stuff on there that doesn't usually go on the facebook page so that's just twitter.com slash do you do you have a personal twitter account yep because they could follow me at andrew and h if they want to that's my personal one so i mean i'm on there obviously like we don't have one for the show that we do often so if they want to follow me i i definitely tweet a little bit on there so yeah mine's mike mac 1210 uh, but I have it set to private, so uh, you need to message me and let me know you're from the show. Otherwise, you're not going to be accepted. That's kind of how it works. So, um, so yeah, and then uh, if you want to write in, it's sweepdelaypodcast.yahoo.com. Uh, so please join the STL Nation. So uh, so that's it, sir. We'll come back next week. We'll do Beverly Hills Cop 3. And wrap then, it up. And then we'll, Yeah, we'll wrap it up, wrap up the series. We'll take a little vacation. We'll come back. We'll do short circuit series, and then uh, and then from there, you guys will lead the way on where we go. So yeah, too bad I don't have my my MacBook will be home because I could have done a sweep the leg from Israel edition. <laughs> <That would, laughs> but maybe I'll come back with some crazy hairdo and an accent, and we can just import it back to the states. Good deal, sir. Good deal. All right, man. Well. Let's call it a wrap for tonight and uh, music spotlight. I almost forgot. Holy crap. Let's get into the music spotlight. Here comes the ready and not. Here comes the boys from the sound. Here comes the ready and not. Man, we having so much fun. I flipping forgot the almost forgot the the music spotlight. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, sir. So do you like anthem songs? I do. I love anthem songs. They're they're awesome. And my niece told me to check out this song. And uh, I'm usually not a big fan of this band, but when I heard it, it almost had a reminiscent of Marilyn Manson's The Beautiful People, kind of with the drum beat and stuff. But this song is about um, being yourself. It's called Hey Hey. It's about how there's nobody else on the planet like you. And one of my favorite lines is it says, why kiss the feet of the people who kick you when you can be anything that you want to? And uh, really good stuff. And it's all about being yourself. And don't don't take crap from nobody. Don't you know? Don't try to sell out to, to please somebody else, and and to sell out and and not be the person that you are inside because you are the only person on the face of the planet like you. Just like Andrew, there's no other Andrew like you. There's no yep. other soonest like me. And that's what the song is all about. It's a really fun rocking tune, but most of all, it's just a really good message about just being yourself and don't let nobody kick you down. And uh, good times, man. It's by Super Chick, uh, and it's, uh, it's not just chicks. It's it's some pretty hardcore stuff. So, so that's my music spotlight for tonight, sir. So, uh, anything you want to say before we sign off? No, that's uh, that'll do it for us until next week. I'm good. Good deal. All right. Well, you want to pretend? Yeah, let's see. I'm trying. I was thinking of a sign off. So, <laughs> uh, I guess I'll see you guys on. Uh, nah, blah, 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 blah. Cut that, cut uh, that one. I was gonna say I was running with. I'll see you guys the next, the next time you download. I'll see you guys on the other side of the download. <laughs> Something it, like that. It, that'll work for now. Good deal. All right. So I'll see you guys on the other side of the download. Sweet. All right. Well, this is Masunas out. Take care. <laughs>